On this week's Nesson Patriots podcast, we recap the Patriots' 54-13 victory over the New York Jets, preview this weekend's matchup with Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, and look ahead to next week's NFL trade deadline. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nesson Patriots podcast. My name is Zach Cox, joined as always by Dakota Randall. Dakota, how are you doing on this rainy Tuesday? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. The uh, the storm was pretty vicious during the middle of the night and it woke me up, but uh, I'm doing good now. Doing good. I hope you uh, you've supplied your plenty of coffee for, for this episode here today. We are going to be breaking down the Patriots' Uh, extremely lopsided, surprisingly lopsided, I would say, win over the New York Jets this past week. The Patriots won 54-13 to over the Jets on Sunday. Uh, it was the most points they had scored in a game since 2013 uh, when they put up 55 in a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the type of resounding win that the Patriots had not gotten this season that they desperately needed. Yes, it was against the Jets, and obviously the Patriots still do need to prove that they can put up victories against teams that are actually legitimate playoff threats. Uh, but, I mean, you you can only play who's on your schedule, and, and this was about as dominant of a performance as you could expect from the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I was trying to look back and see when the last time was that not necessarily a, a 50 four to 13 blowout, but the last time the Patriots had just, they could relax at the end of the game with a, with not much to worry about that chargers game last year, obviously is one of them though. We talked about this the other day. That was a weird game. It wasn't like the, they just dominated on offense. I, you kind of have to go back to the, the Raiders game from, I believe last year uh, that was kind of an easy win for them, but it's, it's been few and far between the amount of times they've been able to sort of, you know, take the foot off the gas late in the game and just relax. Yeah. I think, I think even that Raiders game, it, it was a comfortable win, but it was a, a legitimate football game for, for a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think to find a win like this, you have to go back to like, like the, the seeing ghosts game or, or one of those games from the first half of that 2019 season where the Patriots were just beating the hell out of everybody. Uh, it, it had been a long time since we saw a performance that was this one-sided. Because uh, even back in week two, the Patriots won 25-6 against the same Jets team. That was a comfortable win, but even some Patriots players said after this most recent game, they came out of that game kind of frustrated with some of the things that they did. They, they were bad in the red zone in that game. Uh, they had four interceptions, but only managed 25 points out of it. So there was definitely room for, improve, room for improvement from that one, uh, and they certainly cleaned up a lot of the things that they did need to clean up in this game. Uh, among them, that red zone production. They were six for six in the red zone in this game. They scored touchdowns on their first two drives uh, and two of their or four of their first five drives. Uh, those have both been an issue for them this season, finishing in the red zone, starting slow. Uh, they've really kind of remedied a lot of that over the last couple of weeks. You're really seeing a lot of uh, a lot of the issues that were plaguing the Patriots earlier in the season seem to be kind of, they've been less of a factor in recent weeks. Again, we'll see if that uh, maintains when they start playing some more competitive competition, but definitely some steps in the right direction. Uh, as always, we will uh, break down this game by spotlighting one thing each that we liked from the Patriots in this game uh, and one thing that we didn't. 
Uh, I think the former list is going to be a lot longer than the latter. So we'll start with that. Uh, Dakota, what's one thing you did like from the Patriots in this game? Yeah, Damian Harris uh, really impressed me in this game, just sort of continuing the trend of uh, just running hard, showing a lot of toughness and a lot of ability. I is this touchdowns in three straight weeks, I believe? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And then he had two in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdowns in three straight weeks. He had 106 yards and two touchdowns on 14 carries in this game. And, and you and I were talking about it after the game. If you kind of look around the offense, I think he's probably the closest thing they have to, you know, a sort of true in the, in the upper echelon of, of skill, of skill players, you know, at their position, I think, you know, he's, he's closer to that than any of the receivers or tight ends. I believe I mean, the tight ends are close, but that's kind of a weird position where the top three or four are really, really good. Then there's a big drop off. Um, so I just think he's starting to establish himself as one of the best young running backs in the game. And I just, and again, we, we talk about pro football focus all the time. The grades are what they are there. It's, you, you know, everybody kind of has a different opinion on them, but the reality is he's the third ranked uh, running back on, on pro football focus right now. Uh, any guess at number one and number two? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I, I should have looked this up. Who, this kind of speaks. To, this kind of speaks to what I'm talking about. Tony Pollard is number one, and Khalil Herbert for the Bears is number two. And both those guys, they have 145 snaps and 149 snaps, respectively. Harris is at 205, but you know, and he's ahead of somebody like Derrick Henry, who has 357 snaps. And just not to go too down the PFF rabbit hole, but. You know, Derrick Henry grades higher than Damian Harris in both receiving, pass blocking, and run blocking. But Damian Harris actually has such a higher, just pure running grade than Derrick Henry that he actually grades out higher than him. So just, and again, make what you want of those things, but he's just been a really good player. Uh, he's also seventh in yards after contact, seventh in missed tackles, eighth in yards of 10 plus yards, or eighth in rushes of 10 plus yards. So just by any measure, I think Damian Harris has established himself as one of the better young running backs in football. And that's obviously a great thing for the Patriots who just need all the playmakers they can get at this point. Yeah. And even if you look at the, the more conventional stats, uh, I would say you, you have to put Damian Harris up near the top of the league. He's eighth in rushing yards, tied for third in rushing touchdowns, uh, runs of 20 plus yards. He's first. I don't know if you mentioned that one uh, there. Basically, no matter, no matter, no matter what stat you, you go by, Damian Harris is definitely enjoying one of the, one of the better seasons of, of any any NFL running back this year, which is pretty remarkable because he basically didn't do anything for a two week stretch right. earlier in the year. He was a, a total non-factor in week three against the, um, uh, against the saints. And then in week four, the Patriots finished with negative rushing yards in that game. Uh, and obviously Damian Harris was not a factor in that game as well. But ever since then, you've just seen uh, the offense overall in these last couple of weeks has just looked so much more like what we expected this Patriots offense to look like really kind of run heavy based up based around the run with Mac Jones um, doing some things kind of to complement that. But Damian Harris, uh, I, I definitely agree has been the, the driving force of this offense uh, in recent weeks. And this past game was his best of the season. I think he averaged something like 7.6 yards per carry scored two touchdowns, uh, went over hundred yards, only had 14 carries uh, and basically got to take almost the entire fourth quarter off uh, because the Patriots were up by so much. So yeah, certainly um, positive trends for, for Damian Harris. He he's cut down on, on the fumbles too. He's been clean in that area the last two games. So as long as he can keep, keep holding on to the ball and stay healthy, 
Uh, I, I think this is definitely uh, very positive signs for, for the Patriots running game as a whole. Um, the thing that I like kind of branches off of that a little bit, uh, and that's the Patriots offensive line. Uh, I think they, they really have found the combo that works for them. Uh, obviously, offensive line has been such a big issue for them this season, especially that right tackle spot where they're just cycling through guys, benching guys, putting guys back in, benching them again, cycling another guy in. And really over the last couple of weeks, it's, it's really solidified. Um, and this group that, that basically came, came together midway through that, um, that Cowboys game last week and then started together this, or actually the, the Cowboys one was different because they didn't even have Shaq Mason in that game. So this one that they started this past week with Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, Ted Karras at left guard, David Andrews at center, Shaq Mason at right guard, and Michael Wenu over at right tackle. They just dominated. This, this was a fantastic game for the offensive line. I, I saw a stat somewhere that Damian Harris, he, he finished with 106 rushing yards, and he didn't have a single broken tackle in this game, which just shows how, how much room he had to run. Uh, obviously, it was a great game for Damian Harris as well, but the, the offensive line was just operating at such a higher level um, than it had been earlier in the season. Uh, I think that was evident down in those goal-to-go goal to go situations too. Uh, Patriots were five for five in goal-to-go situations. They scored touchdowns on all five of their trips down there. Uh, you just saw some real just manhandling down near the goal line uh, by Isaiah Wynn and, and Ted Karras and Michael Wenu and, and David Andrews. It, it was just a very positive performance overall from this O-line. And then even in, in pass protection as well, uh, I think Mac Jones was hit three times all game. Uh, he was sacked once, but that was on just kind of a, a, a perfectly timed blitz that you can't even really peg on any one player. Uh, Jets defender just happened to be right in the, right in the proper gap at the right time. Uh, overall, this is, it, it kind of goes back to, to what I was saying before about some of these early season issues that seem to be remedying themselves uh, the Patriots offensive line really hasn't been a major problem in close to a month now um, going back to before that um, before that Houston game it's going to be interesting now to see how long this unit stays intact because Trent Brown is eligible to come back from injured reserve this week we don't know if he will um, that'll be certainly something we'll be watching for in practice on Wednesday and if he is available, do they take Michael Wenu out of out of right tackle, put him back to left guard? Do they put Trent Brown at left tackle? Do they put Isaiah Wynn at left guard? Do they? There could be some moving pieces going on in this offense, but I think they have a pretty solid starting five right now. Um, and I know a lot of people are are happy that they finally did move Michael Wenu over to tackle because that does seem like his best spot for this offensive line. Yeah, you just touched on it. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen when Trent Brown comes comes off IR. Again, we don't know if he's going to practice this week. I, I mean, they went into the season wanting to have him be the right tackle and Isaiah when the left tackle and when you were guard, Andrews at center and Mason at guard. I, I like want to, I, I assume that's still their preferred lineup, but if when keeps playing this well at right tackle, I don't know how you can move him back. And then Trent Brown is so good. If he's healthy, I don't, you have to play him somewhere. So it, it creates a very interesting decision. And I think Ted Karras has played so well that, I mean, maybe he, he ultimately is best served as, as a really good backup, but he's played like a starter these last few weeks. So I just, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do when Brown comes back. And just one other thing I can't kind of help but think about a few years ago, especially during the Super Bowl run, you know, one of the things we talked about with the Patriots running attack was 
everybody's sort of handicapped Sony Michelle's performance is saying, well, it's because the offensive line is so good. He just takes the blocking that, or takes the yards that are there, just follows his blockers. And he put up really good numbers. So did Rex Burkhead, obviously James White. So I just, I'm really curious to see where, if, if this offensive line turns into the unit we thought it was going to be before the season, what a player like Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, two guys that I think are more talented and explosive than Sony Michelle was that season. Just what, what kind of things they could accomplish in, in the Patriots rushing attack as a whole with those kind of players and if the offensive line sort of rounds into form and, and performs at the level that it's capable of. Uh, definitely. And you mentioned Ted Karras. He's been awesome this season, really, since he ever since he went into the lineup back in uh, midway through that Bucks game. Um, looking at his, his PFF stats right now, he's had uh, 129 pass block snaps this season, only three pressures allowed, no sacks, no hits. Uh, and I mentioned that he was very effective against the run um, in these last couple of games too. So yeah, he's with the way that he's been playing, he, he doesn't really look like a guy that you want to take out of the lineup, uh, especially since this, the, it, it's such a big communication position too. And maybe there was some communication issues with, with Wynn and Owenu and, and Andrews on the left side. Maybe that had to do with, with some of the early season struggles. Uh, Cause Isaiah Wynn also was much better in this game. He had his best game of the season. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of seems to be a, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of situation with this, with this Patriots offense, offensive line right now. But yeah, again, going to be fascinating to see what happens when Trent Brown is back. Yeah. And just one quick note on Ted Karras. I mean, maybe it's just that he's just a guard at this point, because I remember a couple of years ago when he replaced David Andrews at center, I just didn't think he was really that good. I mean, he wasn't bad, but I just think you could see the difference between David Andrews and Ted Karras right away. The drop-off there was. Whereas, you know, when he's a guard, there's not much of a drop off at all. He's been really good. So I just think if nothing else, he's emerged as a legitimate starting caliber guard in this league. Absolutely. We will move now to the things that we didn't like from this game for the Patriots. Uh, again, a much shorter list because this was a, a 54 to 13 win. Uh, I'll start this one off. The, the secondary depth is just it's a question mark right now I mean I feel like we talk about this on the show every single week but now at this point Jonathan Jones on injury on injured reserve underwent shoulder surgery Monday he will be out for the remainder of the regular season uh, I thought his his replacements played well in this game I don't think there was any real major defensive issues from the Patriots in this game it, it wasn't a perfect performance they I think they let Mike White look a little too good for, for stretches of this game. Uh, but overall, I thought Miles Bryant played well in that spot. I think he's a, a solid guy to plug in, to plug in there that the Patriots trust, but now they're just, they're even shallower in that group than they were before Jones went down. It, it seems like a, a situation where they're, they're going to have to make some sort of a move moving forward unless I mean, unless Sean Wade comes back this week and the Patriots are comfortable that he can like, go in there and instantly be the fourth cornerback for, for a game. I think the Patriots are going to have to add somebody here, whether that's through free agency or going out and get somebody getting somebody ahead of the trade deadline, which as we record is one week from today, it's just, it's, it's a dicey situation still, um, especially because you, I mean, compounding that miles Bryant was basically the backup to Devin McCourty in this game as well. Devin McCourty left midway through the game with an abdomen injury. He's reportedly week to week, uh, which when, when a guy's described as week to week, he typically is going to miss at least one game. Uh, Patriots do have two other 
very serviceable safeties in Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips. But now you're looking at strain depth at corner and strain depth at safety when you basically have one guy as the backup for two of those spots. I don't know. It's, it's just, it seems like an unsustainable situation that the Patriots are going to have to address here at some point. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, you know, it's tough when you look at going into the season, you thought, well, at some point when Stefan Gilmore comes back, you're going to have starting cornerbacks of Stefan Gilmore, JC Jackson, who is a borderline number one at the very least, a really good number two. And Jonathan he, he's, Jones. He's been good lately spots. too. I think his last good, his last two games have been very good. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that too. And Jonathan Jones, who one of the best slot corners in the game with Jalen Mills sort of as, you know, a backup on the boundaries, but also just sort of a, kind of like a Swiss army knife in the secondary. Now you're just down to JC Jackson. And then, so now obviously Jalen Mills uh, has to play on the outside. And as you said with Miles Bryant, and really your top next man up is Juwan Williams, who that was good in this game, actually. Uh, probably his best yeah. game as a pro. Uh, but does that erase, you know, all the concerns that, you know, we've had about him going into that game? Probably not. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, and it makes me think that they have to add somebody here. I don't know you know, we'll get into the trade deadline stuff later. Um, they don't really have many options. And because there's really, I mean, every team wants corners. So they're at a premium and the Patriots then will have to pay a high price. I don't know if that's not something that they normally do, especially I wonder if they'd be cautious about doing that after dealing Gilmore, just based on how it would look, not like they normally care about that, but it's just, I don't really know. I don't see any, you know, plug and play fix it options out there right now. Yeah, Patriots did bring a couple cornerbacks in for workouts last week. Uh, it was Brian Poole, DJ Hayden, and Devontae Bowsby. Uh, all three of those players left without contracts. Um, don't know if any of if any of those are, are players that the Patriots could revisit and, and potentially sign this week, or there, there are always guys kicking around uh, in free agency on the street that, that can be added. I, I think it's the chances are better of them adding somebody like that than going out and, and swinging a trade for some name brand cornerback. Um, but I, I do think that this is a position where they're going to need some sort of booth boost to this, uh, this depth chart, just with what 11 games still left in the season. Yeah. Uh, Dakota uh, for you, what did you not like in this game from the Patriots? Yeah. Oh, and one more note of the secondary. Um, it, it's too bad that Jason McCourty got hurt because that feels like it would have been an obvious trade for the Patriots for better or for worse. Yep. Yeah. They just placed, uh, or the Miami dolphins just placed McCourty on injured reserve today. Apparently he might need foot surgery. So yeah, that does not look like an option for the Patriots uh, here. Yeah. And the and Flores being in Miami hasn't prevented them from doing trades Isaiah Ford last season. And so, yeah, I mean, it, that probably would have happened, but anyway, uh, for me, for my things that I didn't like in this game, uh, it's not really performance based. It's just, and it kind of relates to what you were saying with Jonathan Jones, just the mounting injuries. I mean, what were there 16 players on the injury report at the end of last week? Um, how many of those guys truly were questionable? We don't really know, but that's a lot of guys banged up. And it's it's not a good thing for one of the older rosters in the NFL. Like the Patriots, the second oldest roster in the NFL. Uh, but in that game, you had John Smith leave, I think with a shoulder injury. Uh, yep. We haven't really gotten an update on him. He got off to probably the fastest start he's gone out to in, in any game this season, or at least in quite a while. Devin McCourty left with the abdomen injury, as you said, and then Harvey Lange, who this is Harvey Lange. He's not a starting linebacker, but he was someone who was going to play with Dante Hightower out. And now he's hurt with an MCL sprain, which at least a few weeks out, you'd have to believe. Carl Davis, uh, your, one of your backup defensive tackles, left with a wrist injury. Haven't really heard anything on him. 
And then again, as I mentioned, Hightower missed this game um, and Jonathan Jones out for the rest of the season. So it's just, if nothing else, the depth is going to get tested here, uh, you know, right away. Um, I guess Kyle Van Noy and Juwan Bentley can play in the middle and place a Hightower. Uh, you'd like to think that Josh Uche uh, is able to, to get an increase in playing time here if, if, the, if linebackers keep going down. But it's just uh, it's, it's, it's concerning that so many players keep getting hurt. And, um, and with the, with the salary cap, the way it is, the Patriots don't really have a, a lot of flexibility to go out and make a lot of moves at the deadline to add the depth that they need. So it's just, it's, it's an issue that's not really going away anytime soon. Yeah. The Patriots have right around 4 million in cap space right now. Uh, according to uh, Miguel ben- Benzon, uh, Pat's cap on Twitter, who's a great resource for this kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it seems like two games in a row that the Patriots have just been kind of having a, a parade of injuries uh, and their defensive line is really beat up right now too. Basically uh, I think Lawrence guy uh, and Daniel Ekowale, who they called up from the practice squad might, might've been their only fully healthy D lineman in this game. Uh, Devon Gotcha didn't practice at all last week. Dietrich wise was questionable. Christian Barmore was questionable. Uh, then you mentioned uh, Carl Davis leaving the leaving in the game with an injury. So yeah, it's, it's still relatively early in the season. Obviously there's, there's the 17 game season this year. The Patriots don't have their buy until week 14. Um, so this is, this is definitely going to be something worth monitoring here in the coming weeks, because when you have that, your buy that late, you don't have the week off to, to rest and recuperate, to heal up some of those minor injuries and having that many players on the injury report already this early in the season uh, can be dicey, especially as you mentioned for a roster that is as old as the Patriots is. Um, and that doesn't have a ton of kind of blue chip young players on the rise to, to replace a lot of these spots. So certainly going to be uh, something that the Patriots are wa- going to want to improve in the coming weeks um, we'll shift gears now from the Jets game to the upcoming game for the Patriots. Uh, they visit the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday. And I think one of the kind of the prevailing sentiment coming out of this game, at least for me, and, and I'm sure other people share it, was all right, this was a great win for the Patriots. They did everything that they could have been asked to do against the Jets team. But if they come out and lay an egg against the Chargers, it really doesn't mean all that much. This is the chance for them to start proving that they can compete with teams that do rank among the NFL's best. And this Chargers team, well, I don't know if people consider them a a legitimate Super Bowl contender at this point. They're four and two. They've been competitive this season. They have one of the NFL's top quarterbacks in Justin Herbert. Uh, I think he's elevated beyond one of the NFL's top young quarterbacks to just one of the NFL's top quarterbacks in general. Uh, Bill Belichick was incredibly complimentary of Justin Herbert when we spoke to him on a conference call earlier this week. And with Belichick, it's like, it's not usually news when you say, Oh, Bill Belichick praised an opponent, but when you hear from him enough, you can tell when it's, when it's on another level, when it's beyond just kind of the generic, Oh yeah, this guy can make all the throws. And he was, he is a very, very big fan of Justin Herbert. Um, so this will be, this will be a challenge for the Patriots traveling to the West coast also is against the team that they did beat 45, nothing last season. Uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier in this show, that was a weird game. Uh, Cam Newton only had 69 passing yards in that game. The Patriots basically just dominated on special teams. They got a couple of interceptions. Uh, they had a punt return for a touchdown. They had a block kick for a touchdown. 
Um, Damien, Damien Harris had a reasonably good game, but it was a, it was a very different blowout than the one that the Patriots uh, had this past Sunday against the jets. So just kind of preliminary thoughts. What's, what's your sense going into this, into this game from a Patriots perspective? Yeah. And yeah, it's part of one of my thoughts from the jets game is just that with all those injuries that we talked about, I mean, you can get away with that kind of stuff against the jets, especially when you're putting up 53 points, but you know, and Kyle Van Noy, who I don't think has been very good this season, but what he played all but two snaps in that game. Um, and so those kind of things, and, and, and with the secondary being the way it is, again, you can get away with them with the Jets, but when you face a team like the Chargers, with Herbert at quarterback, Mike Williams at receiver, Keenan Allen at receiver, Austin Eckler as a running back, um, Jared Cook, I almost had Antonio Gates, Jared Cook as the tight end. I mean, even if you sort of hold them down in the first half, like the Patriots kind of did to the Cowboys, it, you're, you're playing with the same kind of fire and that, you know, eventually Herbert and those guys are, are they're going to come, they're going to make a run. They're going to play well in the second half, uh, just like the Cowboys did. And so the Patriots better be ready for it and they better play a full 60 minute game uh, and, and not make the kind of mistakes that they made in that Cowboys game. Because this, like you said, this is not, I mean, I can't imagine it being like the game last year, uh, different coach, uh, just a sort of totally different vibe on the chargers and it's going to be an interesting measuring stick game. And it's a huge opportunity for the Patriots. Cause if you win this, you're four and four, you place the, you play the Browns the next week, which I mean, the season could come down to the Browns game based on how the standings look, who you might be battling with uh, for tiebreakers for the wild card. You win that game, but you're five and four at that point, you're probably in a wild card spot or close to it. And so just these next two weeks are, are a huge opportunity for them. And it starts with this chargers game. And, you know, I think the Patriots have, the talent, especially on offense, uh, to hang with the Chargers in this game, but it's going to be a huge test for the defense because, um, again, this this isn't the Jets. Yeah, and the Patriots have the Carolina Panthers next week after this game, oh, then oh, the yeah. Browns. Browns and the Panthers have, I mean, the Panthers benched Sam Darnold this past week. They don't look nearly as formidable as they did early in the year. But yeah, there there are definitely a couple of games that you you sort of have circled as as key swing games for the Patriots. Obviously the divisional ones are in there. The two games against the bills will be huge later in the year, but you got this game, you got the game against the Browns and you got a game against the Indianapolis Colts later in the year and a game against the the Tennessee Titans as well. Those are all teams that potentially could be vying for that. Those, those three wildcard spots Um, and conference record is one of the main, um, one of the main tiebreakers in that. So those are going to be, very, very, very important games for the Patriots beginning this weekend. Uh, a couple final thoughts here on the on the Chargers. Their defense was good early in the season. They were very competitive in those first, uh, was it four games? 16 points, 20 points, 24 points, 14 points. But in their last two games, they allowed 42 points to the Browns, and then they allowed 34 points to the Baltimore Ravens, um, which was a, a 34-6 loss, a real beatdown um, and that was two weeks ago. Then they're coming off their bye this week. So definitely a team that that is susceptible. That's not coming in here. Uh, I, I think the the sort of high hopes for this team were tempered a little bit by that game against the, the Ravens a couple weeks back. Um, and then before I, I, I mentioned the, the special teams issues that they had last season, uh, the Chargers had last season against the Patriots. Uh, I was looking up to see if anything has improved this year for the Chargers because they do have a completely new coaching staff. Um, Anthony Lynn is gone. I think a lot of his uh, game management decisions were pretty poor last year. Uh, But even with this new staff, the Chargers still ranked 32nd in the NFL 
in special teams DVOA, which kind of measures a unit's overall efficiency. So even though the Patriots haven't been quite as dominant on special teams this year as they usually are, they had the two block punts. They've, they've had some issues elsewhere. I think that's definitely a area that they can take advantage of in this game and, and could potentially uh, potentially be a, a, a big X factor um, yeah. in this weekend. Uh, we can close out the show now with our Nesson four down segment where we ask you listeners questions and you send them in and then we answer them. I think we're going to keep it to one question today because it's one that we can go for, for a little while on. This is from Ryan Miller. He said, do you expect the Patriots to be active at the trade deadline? Uh, as I mentioned, the trade deadline is next Tuesday. Um, the Patriots typically are active at the, at the trade deadline. Uh, I believe it's six of the last eight trade deadlines or seven of the last eight. <laughs> they have moved, they have made some sort of move. Uh, most of those moves, at least from an incoming perspective, aren't major additions. Uh, last year, they went out and got Isaiah Ford from the, um, the wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins that ended up cutting him about two weeks later. Uh, so that was not a, uh, a franchise shaking move. Uh, and then in previous years, it was more of a, uh, more of a, a departure um, because in 2017, it was them trading Jimmy Garoppolo 2016. It was them trading, <clears throat> excuse me. It was them trading Jamie Collins. Uh, I think the, the last big time impact player that they've gotten at the, at the trade deadline is probably a to uh, about a decade ago, uh, other guys that they've got in the past, uh, guys like Jonathan Casillas and, and Akeem Ayers and Isaac Sopalaga, it's usually kind of depth level guys. Uh, and that's what I would expect from them again this season, just because of where they are from a cap space perspective and and how much resource, how many resources they've already put in to this roster. But with the trade deadline one week away, what's what should the Patriots do? What, where do they need to address what what? What's your, your overall vibe of this team heading into the, the deadline? Well, and one, th one other move I think that's worth mentioning is the Mohamed Sanu move from a couple of years ago, because even though he didn't wind up really doing anything for the Patriots, they gave up a second round pick for him. So for them, that's a oh, Mohamed Sanu. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge deadline move for them just to give up a second round pick, but obviously uh, it didn't work out at all. Um, I think he caught a touchdown this past week uh, in, for the, for the, for the 49ers, I think, or, or at least he caught a ball. I didn't realize he was still playing. I thought he was out of the league, <laughs> but anyway, um, for in terms of what I, I expect them to do, I think you're right on the money with talking about depth moves. And part of that is I just don't really think they have a choice. It's not much they could possibly do to bring in a, a, a player with a bigger contractor that would make a more sizable impact, whether it's a cornerback linebacker, receiver anywhere. I don't, I don't really see them being able to do that, but I, I do think that at this point, I think the linebacking depth uh, is probably something they need to address. Dante Hightower uh, has had really one or two good games this season. Other than that, he's, he's kind of not been very impactful and he's been banged up. You just have to wonder if he is what he is at this point. I haven't seen much from Jamie Collins at all since he came over. It looks just doesn't look like the same guy. Um, and then Harvey Lange, who was a depth linebacker, goes down this week with a knee sprain. So, I mean, I, I think they're fine with, with Judon and Bentley and if they can give more time to Josh Uche, but beyond that, I just think they need to add somebody. So I would expect to move there potentially. And then a cornerback, as we've talked about, uh, they have to do something there to something in the secondary, um, whether it's a trade or whether it's bringing in someone um, off free agency, something has to be done there. Um, 
I would expect those would be the two areas that would be the most likely to get addressed. Um, I think a lot of people look toward Nikhil Harry, someone who had a, the trade request during the offseason, and, and what, he had a, one catch this week. It was his first catch in two weeks. He has like three targets over the last three weeks, something like that, just a total non-factor. Maybe maybe they just get him out of town unless they just would rather keep him on the roster for, for blocking purposes. I don't know. So maybe he's someone that gets dealt. But save that, I think, because uh, trading to kill Harry, I think, would qualify as a notable move, not necessarily for the right reasons. Uh, but beyond that, I think it would be to add depth uh, on the defense is, is, is what I'm looking for them to do. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the uh, the linebacker situation. Base, almost every Patriots linebacker has missed a game this season outside of Matt Judon. I mean, Hightower has missed a game. Josh Uche, Jawan Bentley, Kyle Van Noy, now Harvey Longy. Sounds like he'll be he'll be sidelined uh, for at least a couple of weeks. So they've had a lot of injuries in that um, in that position group. I could definitely see them making some sort of ad there. Uh, they do still have decent depth, I think. Um, but overall, yeah, at cornerback, I just think some sort of addition is going to be ne- be necessary. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's trade or whether it's free agency, I just think they need to get some depth in there. And from for players who could be traded, I think Nikhil Harry is definitely on the top of that list. Uh, I think Jawan Williams is a potential trade candidate. I say as as <laughs> after just mentioning the Patriots don't have any cornerback depth, but oh, hi. Um, he was a guy that that was a healthy scratch for two of the previous three games was benched in the other one. Um, again, did play probably his best game in the NFL uh, this past week, but I wouldn't be stunned if the Patriots try to kind of flip him while, the, while his value is at its highest this week or next week. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, there aren't really a ton of obvious trade candidates on this Patriots roster. Uh, I mean, maybe you see if anybody wants to send a, late round pick for Jarrett Stidham, but just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I I think that's a possibility. Um, But he also is coming off back surgery has never started a game in the NFL. Uh, I think if I were an interested team, I would want to see how he looks a little bit health wise before, uh, before doing that. But uh, I got one for you. Could I give you one, 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 and I could curious your thoughts on it. What about Shaq Mason? I don't think it's Mm -hmm. likely, but if you think about it, he sort of fits the bill as the Patriots sort of cutting bait before they have to give, an, give a guy another big contract. And we talked about Ted Karras looking like he could be a more inexpensive starting caliber player uh, at that position. And then with this upcoming decision to make with Wenu, Trent Brown, and Isaiah Wynn, someone is probably going to get squeezed out. I don't think it'll be Shaq Mason because he's one of your best offensive linemen. But we're talking about the same GM that traded Logan Mankins. So I just think... You never know. I'd be surprised if they do it, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting candidate. Um, he does still have two years left on his contract beyond this, and he's owed a, a good amount of money. Um, but yeah, there there does something's going to have to give with this Patriots offensive line if and when everybody gets back healthy. Um, so maybe maybe that will be their surprise move of the year. Never know. They're always, <laughs> the, the Patriots can always surprise somebody. So then that would I think that would certainly qualify. Absolutely. Um, That will do it for this week's edition of the Nesson Patriots podcast. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Cox Nesson. You can follow Dakota at Dak Randall Nesson. Um, You can tune into our Nesson pregame chat, which will be, uh, which will be up uh, Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon, rather Sunday afternoon before this week's uh, game against the Los Angeles chargers, which is a 4 PM start. 
out in Los Angeles. Uh, and as always, you can follow along with all of our Patriots coverage at Nesson.com. We'll see you next week. We'll